Welcome back to an episode of Spectator Mode. I'm Neil Strebig. With me as always is Donald Double D. DeCray. What are you going to call me when I get married and DeCray is no longer my last name? I'm just going to call you that because uh, it's, you know, it's just ever going to be Double D. Yeah. <laughs> stuck with it, huh? You know, well, I mean, I could still keep the Double D. Maybe it'll just add DeCray and then your new last name. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We're going to we're going to get royal with this. Just keep adding last names. Yeah, um, make it very Italian, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but what we got going today? Uh, no, as mentioned in last week's episode, we wanted to dive a bit more into the Summer Fest of Gaming, or the Summer Game Fest. Sorry, I know it's like Summer Fest, Gaming Fest, you know, get it all mixed up. But I uh, did want to talk more about basically a bunch of the trailers that dropped in the last week or so. So kind of how we're going to do it is talk a little bit about what we like, didn't like, and then pull out a couple games that I think we want to do a little bit of a larger focus on too for a short bit, but uh, yeah, a little bit different. We're kind of just doing a straight overview because I mean, there was a crap ton of trailers and you know, before this call to double D pointed out some of it goes back to, to January and state of play earlier in the year as well. So Dude, we are mixing early, some early of that in first. Yeah. Kind of group, but it's something like 300 trailers combined in the whole thing, which is just wild. It's just a mess. And there's no way I think for any one, you know, podcast to cover all of that so we're definitely going to be picking out i think some notables for us and giving them their you know their time to discuss a little bit but i guess let's start off with like you said what what got you most hyped from the announcements and the releases that we've seen well i mean clearly and i still have a mild heart on with it final fantasy 7 i um, knew you were gonna I mean, say that <laughs> i knew you were gonna I mean, say I, that I, and that's on my list of I, things that i'm like so over oh wow wow okay. <laughs> i mean there's parts I didn't like, though, as well, but naturally, I'm most happy about that because we finally have a date for the second chapter, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. It's the next installment in the remake. Uh, it's going to be out in winter 2023, so still some time off. As much hype as I am for that, I also was irked because, you know, only a minute 30 for the teaser trailer, basically. Yes, we get a date, but I would like to see a lot more than that. It was a three-hour showcase, and it's like, it's coming out next year. I would like to see, you know, maybe a little bit of a longer gameplay trailer, I don't know, more than 90 seconds of footage, me personally. Right. But like, for something that I think is, is probably iconic for yeah. gaming overall, then, Final Fantasy VII, I think, is a lot of people's first exposure to the franchise. Yeah. And it was the 25th anniversary uh, special, too. So, I, again, I thought there should have been a little bit more, but they are giving us a bit of an appetizer with the remake of Crisis Core for this winter. Again, it's kind of like I would like to see more of the new chapter coming out rather than a remake and all that. But either way, excited. Well, so then with that, they also announced Final Fantasy 16 releasing in the summer of 2023. So how much does that excite you that they're releasing a newer game uh, before the uh, remake? I'm, not, I'm probably not going to get 16, honestly. Really? Like, I'm not going to because I'm not getting a P, uh, PS5 until Final Fantasy drops. That's what I did with PS4. I waited until the remake dropped and I'm going to do the same thing with PS5. So with 16, it's like I don't feel any need to play that now on the next gen. And also, too, like most Final Fantasy games, you know, it, it's a different storyline, all that. Like, I'm all in for Final Fantasy VII. I'm not necessarily all in for 16. Not that 16 didn't look bad. It's just the hype level is different for me. Very interesting. In part, that's nostalgic. Very interesting. Because I, I think 16 they're talking about, they're bringing back some, like, classic summons with Bahamut, Ifrit, Shiva, you know, Garuda. Like, some, some of those more classic sort of um, summons in the game and stuff like that. So I wonder if they're going to touch on some of the history stuff. With the franchise, pay a little homage to the older stuff, which would be maybe nice, you know, like you said, 50 year anniversary and everything for it. So um, we'll see about that. I think the thing that got me most hyped, I'm going back a little bit further to the Warhammer 
released a slew of announcements on June 1st in terms of what they're doing with the Warhammer franchise. And the Warhammer franchise, I think, is interestingly positioned uh, because of the resurgence of D&D. I think Warhammer has gotten its due a little bit. Like People are looking at that more because D&D, I think, is more fantasy-based. Warhammer is more sci- science fiction, you know, high technology, if as it were. And specifically, and, and we can talk about this more later, but they announced Warhammer 40k Rogue Trader. Turn-based RPG, isometric view. It's very much looks similar to the vein of like the Divinity Original Sin, which I think is phenomenal because if anyone's played that game, I think that's a very good interpretation of a D&D-esque game. And that studio is actually the one producing the new Baldur's Gate. So if I could get a, a game like that set in the 40k universe, and that's what this very much looks like, I will be absolutely enthused. I am enthused. You know, like this is tickling me all the right ways. Yeah, I mean, I'm not as familiar with Warhammer as you are, but to your point with the RPG and Baldur's Gate has some pretty good uh, hype behind it as well. So it's a good comparison there. Uh, I'm just I'm, I kind of out of ammunition to really give more feedback on Warhammer. It's okay because I know you're not a 40k but... guy. Um, and like I said, we can talk about it maybe a little bit later. But was there anything else that really caught your attention in the showcase? Because I got a couple more things that I thought were interesting. Uh, I mean, Overwatch 2, I think, maybe talk about that a little bit later. Diablo 4, I did like a lot. I liked what they did with that. Uh, again, Diablo being a dungeon crawler, but I think what I liked most about Diablo 4 was, dare I say, open world RPG element to it. <laughs> the RPG element I liked was more that, yes, you can actually design your character now, which is very cool. I think that yeah. that's been a big oversight for a while. Even I would three, agree for I sure. I felt like that. I don't know why they didn't have that. But either way, very cool. Play more in the fantasy and the role RPG element there. But I mean, 3 had somewhat of an open world to where you still had to explore. And all the Diablos kind of have that to shade it out map area and then more explore, yada, yada. But basically random boss fights in 4, which I think is cool to where now you can have groups of, you know, 6, 10 people fighting the same boss that randomly appears on the map. I think that's a pretty cool thing in itself. So that's me hype. But again, Diablo's kind of Final Fantasy VII to me too, to where it's a bit more nostalgia. You kind of know what you're getting and it's very much a dungeon crawler. So it's kind of just a time waster. It's not exactly like to me going to be game of the year or anything else. I know that's going to rub people the wrong way, but it's not a new formula. They're not going to be introducing anything super, super new. It's, it's still just the next iteration of tried and true formula yeah and i'll be honest some of the things that i'm most hyped for from this are games finally coming over to the pc last of us remake is going to come over spider-man and miles morales are both coming over to pc i'll be able to get to play those titles finally because those were all phenomenal games when they released and i gotta say i I give credit to sony with the way they've been managing their um exclusives now because like god of war forbidden horizon uh zero dawn for example they've done a very good job of releasing it on their own platform first keeping it there long enough to still give value to people who have those platforms and have those exclusive titles and then bring it to the pc market later usually in the realm of like two to three years or so after the fact and then giving those games second life and everything else and and i think that's a great model that they've adopted because it's definitely rewarding people who are loyal to the console but it's also giving the games a wider audience and i'm so stoked that some of these are going to be finally coming over and the nice thing is when they do the pc ports of these things they're typically doing other updates along with it, graphic updates and stuff like that to go along with it. Um, usually improving them for the hardware of the consoles, but then also making them nicer for the computer. So, you know, all around that got me pretty hyped on things. I'm going to be honest with you, but here's a game. I don't know if you've heard of it very much. Have you heard of Stray? Uh, I can't say I have. No. Okay. 
So I bring this up because I'm going to use this as kind of like my transition, I think, into things that we might dislike or hate about the announcements that we got. Because Stray was revealed as going to release on PlayStation Plus. And Stray has also had, I think, a fairly strong showing on Reddit, especially a little bit of a viral following. And it's one of those games that like you play as a, literally as a stray cat. They've shown gameplay footage and stuff like that. And it seems like a game that like there is point to it, not to make it sound like there's not a story or there's a, not a point to it, but it's also, yeah. you know, it's, it seems like in the vein of like a Stardew Valley or something that it's more of a relaxed game and kind of just like enjoy your experience rather than like focused on like really being amped up or anything like that. But they're releasing on PlayStation Plus, and, I, and this makes me wonder, I'm concerned because of what we talked about in a previous spectator mode, that the PlayStation Plus release, they get like a flat fee for it, and then nothing based off of those sales. And it feels like a game that might have been able to take better advantage of its recent sort of social media hype to do decent sales on its own, and maybe this will hurt them in the long run? I'm kind of curious, again, what's the role of PlayStation Plus, and like who should be taking advantage of that or not? So you say they've gone astray. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, Roll Lord. We're good. Lord, this is the part of the podcast where we're really going downhill, <laughs> I was right? I on that the whole time. Man. I was just like, all right, just wait, just wait. <laughs> so ready for that. I mean, uh, so I'll be honest. It's one of those things. I'm looking forward to the game. I'm concerned about the way it's being released in the interest of the developers because I think it's it's potentially going to hurt them more than help them. I don't know. I mean, no, I mean, it's an interesting point. I mean, I don't know if we're going to know that until maybe a couple months down the road when figures come out. But I think I think part of that is still some of the fallout then from COVID and delays, I think, affecting some yeah. developers too and timelines there. Because a lot of things got pushed back and actually some larger titles are going to jump some indie titles as well. So I think there's a little bit more there we don't know. But again, we're not going to know until figures come out and how much they lose. And is it going to basically be uh, like Abe's Odyssey where they really got shafted and yeah. you know could have made a lot more, but... Yeah, it's going to be tough. But on the point of things we didn't like, there's uh, there's a couple of games that I'm just not too, too interested in to begin with. But Last of Us remake coming to PC is cool, but I the game's not even 10 years old. Do we need a second remake for it? Like I just played <laughs> the remastered version of the PS4 and it looked fine. It wasn't anything crazy. It was like, I don't think I need I get it coming to PC and some updated graphics. OK, cool. It's a different type of engine, but. There's a lot of other games deserving of a remake. I don't know, Soul Reaver, maybe Legacy of Kane. Like, I would like to see that, not a game that's now remastered a second time in less than 10 years. That's a little obnoxious. And I'm sorry, that is a money grab too coming out with the series coming up on HBO. Soon. Exactly like, right. I'm yeah, kind of the timing fans is for not auspicious. that too. And it's kind of ridiculous on my part. So, not too hype there. And this is going to probably rub some folks the wrong way, surprise some folks. Marvel Midnight Suns. I'm not. Really? I was the just looking at that. The cinematic trailer is cool, sure, but like I want to see the actual game. Like I don't, you know what I mean? We already had a cinematic trailer and teaser. Like I want to see what the game looks like because there's a lot of question marks I have there. So that doesn't really have me too hype right now, to be honest with you. I'm not too surprised by that, actually. And so Marvel Midnight Suns has been described as being an XCOM-style game that's turn-placed turn-paced isometric view and there's like roster management to that as well like you have your team of heroes that you sort of put together your party to send out on the missions that you accomplish and like it's not a bad thing per se i don't know that that style of game though is good for superhero like the genre in general because i think superhero when you think of like super especially you typically think more action-based and stuff like that and XCOM, really it's like i've played those games like it's not 
that really it's it's much slower it's much more considered i'd think overall you know what i mean and and you can have like good story moments sort of but for the most part it's very much like here's your here's your scenario you play your scenario and move on to the next and it's very kind of like just episodic in nature so do you think they're holding that because of that and trying to do basically the blizzard effect of super cool trailers and then as a bit of People don't really understand the gameplay. What the game I kind of like. wonder, yeah, because if it really is in the style of XCOM, I'll be honest, I think that for me really detracts a lot from it because I think, you know, the superhero games that I enjoy are the ones where you kind of like get to use their powers. You can be creative in the way you move through maps and solve puzzles and stuff. Um, Ultimate Alliance was pretty good for that stuff. You know what I mean? Like you really get to have like good variety in that XCOM if that's the base game does not showcase a lot of that. And what you get is a lot of samey abilities just like flavored differently. You know what I mean? Like essentially this is the same type of attack, just like here's Spider-Man versus Iron Man's just, you know, shooting attack kind of thing. Like it's not really showcasing differences in powers and stuff like that. So I think you're right to have your misgivings about that. I'll throw in goat some three. Why? I never understood the hype between Goat Simulator and the first one. They did not make a second one. They're going for the lulls by making a third one just as the sequel. You know, it's just like, ooh, random lulls. Ha ha, we're so funny and off the wall. Like, come on, man. This is stupid. I will say there's a couple indie games, though, that did surprise me, too. I know kind of switching gears there. I mean, uh, Cuphead, Last Chorus, is all a little bit more gameplay with that, too. I don't think that's anything that's new. It's kind of just DLC for phenomenal indie game. But Voltaire the Vegan Vampire, I'm not going to lie, surprised me. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It looked like a cool, fun, cheeky kind of game, I'll be honest. Uh, you know, you basically play the vegan vampire, build a garden, and then waves at night of vampires and ghouls coming in, trying to take and destroy your garden so you have to defend your little house <laughs> and stuff too, which I thought was kind of funny. So a good kind of time waster in itself. And I was like, that kind of could be kind of fun. So definitely thought of my sister since I saw that too. So maybe that's a little bit of bias there. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I actually didn't see that trailer. That's kind of a funny one. I also was, I'll be honest, I was interested and excited for the the new Horizon game, which, again, it's pure VR they're doing. Um, oh, it's yeah, a yeah. PlayStation 5 exclusive, so I'm not going to get to experience that. Doesn't That does not stop me at all, though, from appreciating how cool that ought to be, being in that world with those giant machines. It doesn't seem like it's particularly innovative in terms of um, the gameplay or enemies, that everything that they showcased, at least the stuff we've already seen before. But at the same time, like experiencing it in VR and and that different way of playing by itself, I think, might be good enough. Especially considering that it is, you know, sort of that like throwback in terms of primal weaponry and stuff like that. It it lends itself maybe to the physicality of VR. So I think that's another one to look forward to for me. Um, no, well, for somebody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, midnight. Uh, not midnight. I'm sorry. Gotham Knights Nightwing trailer look good still reservations with that being uh two players kind of like eh, i mean Street yeah Fighter six also i mean we talked about in the last episode as well different game modes and all that i want to be more hyped for it it's kind of just where i'm at i'm i'm, I'm not edging my seat i figured i might have been a bit more even with gal coming out too but again it's a fighting game i'm sure there'd be something in there that you know has me kind of switch but i did want to get your thoughts on overwatch 2 though because there's a lot they dropped there yeah, so Overwatch 2, I mean, they they did give us a lot of stuff. We know that they're coming to the player beta is happening this year. We know the game is releasing next year. That's all nice. 
They announced Junker Queen is another character, which I think they almost had to do, given the fact that the Sojourn release information is so old at this point. Like, we've known Sojourn's kit and everything else for so freaking long. It doesn't feel like a new character anymore. You know, it will be new to play, but, like, as part of the hype for Overwatch 2, I don't think Sojourn does it. So I feel like Junker Queen was a necessary choice for them. And then, you know, I think the, the bigger thing here is the release schedule, the pace of looking at new maps, new characters and cosmetics and stuff coming out, which is a marked departure from the original Overwatch, which was very sort of like they had their format, they had their roster, they released a few things here and there, but I think it was very much almost a stale game, to be honest with you, because of how consistent the game was over its time span, like they released what all of like five heroes or something. I want to say for the entire first game. Um, I'm not sure because I got into it late, so I wouldn't know their initial release. But I mean, there was a pretty big lull between. Uh, I think what is it? Ash was the last one, and then Echo. Don't quote me on that as far as Ash being the last one than Echo. But oh, I mean, well, I guess I'm not giving Echo them... was the last hero, and I, mean, yeah, I started yeah, yeah. playing it in 2020, and Echo didn't come out until like later in that. So I guess I didn't really give them full credit, though, because like it released the, the game released with 21 characters. It currently has 32, including Echo. So 11 characters in the span of what, six years is yeah. less than two characters a year over its lifespan. And frankly, a lot of those characters came out in like 2017, 2018 from 2018 on. We only got, you know. Before before Sojourn was released, I'm sorry, before Echo was released, no, Echo, we haven't had anything since Echo, you're right, Echo's been out for two years already, two yeah, years they've been sitting a, on it, it's crazy. Because she came out a couple months after I started playing, because I picked up Overwatch finally during the pandemic, and yeah, you know, I started on the Switch, maybe a little bit before, maybe it was 2019, so I was maybe playing for a year before she came out, but uh, no, with Overwatch 2 though, I will say the nine-week thing with a new character, a new map every nine weeks with the seasons kind of component there, I think that adds excitement then. Naturally, being a bit cynic, it's like, how many new characters are we going to get? Because, okay, we got Soldorn, we have Junker Queen, who's an off-tank now. They launched her whole trailer. It was supposed to be a support hero, too. I don't know why they just didn't showcase a support hero yet. To me, it's kind of like missed opportunity there to just get hype and you have a new character in each class. Like, why yep. not? yep. And then I think the biggest switch, and I will give them a lot of props for this because it kind of puts me back on board and a little bit more excited, the free-to-play. I think that's a huge thing, getting ready to loot boxes. Then. So they're really going more of an Apex Legends style, which, you know, it's not necessarily getting rid of loot boxes. The battle pass, it's still going to be all the cool skins I'm going to want. I'm still going to have to pay for then too, which I'm like, eh. But I was kind of on the fence. I'm going to pay 60 bucks for Overwatch 2. I'll be straight up. Now that it's free-to-play, yeah, I'll definitely grab it and check it out. Now well, I'm going to play it as much as I played the first one. That's to be determined. I don't know, because this is one of the the concerns I have as well is like one of the nice things or one of the reasons I think Overwatch was at the time of its release in 2016, it was very well received in part because it was a complete game. You know what I mean? Like it was competing against a lot of similar um, shooters or battle royales and stuff like that or MOBAs where you had to constantly be paying to unlock cosmetics, unlock characters. It was just like a constant money sink. So like quote unquote free to play really didn't get you a lot. And you ran into those issues of pay to win basically overwatch being like, Hey, our commitment is here's you pay the one time price for the game. You will have all characters and access to everything was a huge selling point on release. 
But maybe on the flip side, that's why they weren't so incentivized then to grow the game very much. You know, the staleness that I was talking about, because they're not getting additional sales really off of new releases by moving to a free to play model. You know, I think depending on the way they monetize it, that should drive more sales for them. And maybe that's why they're doing it. I have mixed feelings. I'll be honest. You know what I mean? Like I, I, on the one hand, I do feel like a more consistent release schedule and like more stuff coming out in general is good for the state of the game, prevent staleness, prevent, you know, um, a stale meta, essentially, especially if you're looking to cultivate a, uh, competitive scene. This is one of those things that's been talked about, I think in by much smarter people than me. And at length is the idea of you want imbalance to a certain extent in these things so that you can't just always do the same thing every game and succeed. You want that variety. So on the one hand, that is nice. On the other hand, I've had plenty of conversations about predatory loot practices or, and uh, monetization practices. Is the trade-off worth it moving from the one-time cost to what's probably going to be ongoing cost for unlocking things? I guess we'll see. I don't know. Okay. No, no. I think some enough changes there that has me a little bit more excited than I was, you know, going if it was going to be, you know, an actual paid game. But we'll see. The five on five is a cool thing, too. I'm sure now tank is going to be flooded the way DPS was previously. So that's a new new change there. But a lot more to like, a lot more hype there. But I mean, anything else you, you had from so far the trailers or uh, anything else that, you know, you did like to man? Or just the overall summer fest, you mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think we talked about most of the things that uh, particularly resonated with me. You know, like I said, for me, I think if I pick one thing out of this entire thing, it's the Warhammer Rogue Trader that's been announced. Warhammer, the game itself, was a tabletop game released in 1987. Been around, you know, almost as long as Dungeons & Dragons. Like I said, Dungeons & Dragons goes for like a high fantasy setting typically. And there's modules and stuff and settings that go for a more sci-fi based thing but warhammer is very solidly based in science fiction right like space marines and everything like that's their shtick and i think it's been an oversight for a long long time that they haven't had a solid rpg for the franchise in i don't know how long it's been since the last time they actually had like an rpg version you know what i mean like they've mostly been doing their civilization type games with all their very varied lore and various races and stuff, and it's been doing very well. But the lack of an RPG, I think, was always kind of an oversight, in my opinion. And like I said, I think Warhammer is enjoying a little bit of a resurgence along with the stuff with D&D. Stranger Things, the uh, fourth season came out here as well, and they've done nothing but help. There's actually, you know, you can look at the numbers of searches and play based on that. Um, brought people to Dungeons and Dragons. And then from there, you know, I think once people get into tabletop gaming, I think the next thing always becomes like, okay, well finding something that suits your taste, or your sensibilities. If you're not a fantasy person, you know, I would say Dungeons and Dragons probably isn't the way to go. They have a star jammer setting, but Warhammer is really where it's at for sci-fi fans. So, you know, Henry Cavill, also a fan so I think I'm in good company <laughs> saying that this is going to be an awesome game to look forward to. Very much on, I'm very much here for it. But no, I mean, everybody, I mean, y'all have anything that y'all like that we didn't talk about game-wise, let us know. Uh, you guys also are, you know, cynical about The Last of Us remake, like myself. <laughs> and also anybody else that still is, you know I mean, just hypey on belief for Final Fantasy VII, Warhammer, <laughs> uh, Diablo IV, 
Midnight Suns haters, uh, you know, let us know. But <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, kept it kind of short and sweet, pretty uh, straightforward with the uh, Summer Festive gaming here, guys. But as always, thanks for listening. Until next week, catch you all soon.